Welcome back to our series, Mark. Welcome back to our new series, Mark, as we're going verse by verse through the entire gospel according to Mark. Kind of crazy. It's going to take basically the whole year. We'll take some breaks for topical stuff, for other parts of the Bible. But for the most part, we're going to stay in Mark and go verse by verse. And so I want to give you the reasons why. I want to give you resources. If you weren't here last week, some resources are online. Like us on Facebook, shameless plug. And there's three two-minute videos about the big three. We love This Is Us here. We say that you're savage if you don't like This Is Us. The big three will tell you why we're going verse by verse through the gospel according to Mark. Uh, and then also, like all of our sermons, another shameless plug, go up online. So you can listen to last week. We spent basically the entire sermon laying the foundation, the who, the what, the why, the where, the when, bringing context to this book. All right, really important week last week. So if you missed it, just hop online. I promise, you know, when you're on the train, it's 25, 35 minutes. Hit that up, okay? Bunch of shameless plugs. Uh, let's get into this. Real quick for context, Mark, John Mark is his full name, is the ministry buddy of Peter. I made a case last week, although it's not every scholar's case, I made a case last week that Peter is the best buddy of Jesus. So we have the best buddy, in my opinion, of Jesus feeding this information, these events, these happenings, these words to Mark. Mark is writing them on papyrus. He's listening to Peter's sermon, and that's why there's credibility to this gospel according to Mark. And he's speaking to a people that are persecuted and fearful because they're under one of the greatest haters of all time. The hater is Nero. And Nero is burning Christians alive. My daughter's in, in the far back row. I'm going to pray for her ears right now. Burn, burning Christians alive. He's, cruci he's crucifying Christians. He's dressing them up as animals, and he's feeding them to animals. Like, this is what he's doing. He's making a spectacle of Christianity. And so they're fearful. They don't know what to do. And Mark's going to come in, and he's going to say, look, Jesus is king. Your Messiah is here. He's establishing his kingdom. He has won. Death has no sting. God loves you. He's gonna, that, that's the tone he's going to set with this book. He's going to say, look, he didn't come how you thought he was going to come. He's not some spear-wielding meathead. He's not some protein powder-pushing man. But, but, but he is the king. He's a suffering servant king. He's not this religious guy that you thought he was, at least the Pharisees thought he would be, these religious leaders. No, no, no. He, he is a suffering servant king. And that sets the tone for the entire book. That's kind of the overarching theme for the entire book. We're going to start in verse 1, Mark 1. Remember, we're trying to turn there together. We're trying to bring our tools just like we bring our tools to dinner. We try to bring our tools here, notebooks, paper Bibles. If you want to open your phone, that's fine. If not, it will be down to our one remaining TV, all right? Uh, and we're going to be in verse 1, Mark 1. So basically what happened last week is I spent all of but four minutes setting this book up. So it was super ironic because I'm like, we have to be in the scriptures. We have to preach the scriptures. I'm yelling at you for like an hour. And then I was in the scriptures for like four minutes. So it's not all my fault. You hired me. You need to take some of the blame. All right? Amen? Mark, <laughs> don't amen. Monty came in hot just now. Amen. Like, well, just relax, Monty. All right, here we go. Mark 1.1, 1, 1. Mark 1.1, 1, 1. the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I'll send my messenger before your face. I need your participation this morning, church. When we get to the red, I need you to participate with me, make me feel good, lift me up, uh, give me some power and agreement. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare? Thank you. Prepare, important word, your way. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Really important words. Stay with me. Next scripture. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. In other words, you can actually clear the runway for Jesus to get to your heart. You can actually do things, pray things, say things that that prepare the runway, open up the path for Jesus to have a clear beeline straight to your heart and soul. Law of the opposite, if you can do that, then you can also make it difficult. You can also, in your pride, in your free will, in your annoyances, in your insecurities, make it really hard for Jesus to get straight to your heart. So, so John is going to come and he's going to say, prepare the way for the Lord in your heart. And also, as, as followers of Jesus, you need to prepare the way for the Lord. All right? John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. He baptized in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What, what God is doing here is saying, look, I, I checked that off. My, my mark. It's a check mark. Right? So one verse up, there's going to be a guy. I told you in Isaiah, he's going he's to cry in the wilderness. Here's the guy he's proclaiming in the wilderness. He's just saying check mark. And John has this extremely important job. He's the opening act for Jesus. He's the guy that's going to say, here's how you make way for the king of kings to be on the throne of your heart. Here's how to be in deep relationship with God. He's preparing the way for Jesus. Like, I, I like watching comedians. Um, really, the, the clean ones, I'm, I have this app called VidAngel, and it kind of breaks down all the language and sexuality and all that stuff, and and it, it gives filters. I like to watch comedians because I like to learn how to deliver, right? To, to, so, plus, I like to laugh. So th- there's always an opening act, right? And it's understood the opening act guy is not the main act guy. So there's a guy going into Madison Square Garden next, next week. That's our, actually my wife and I's favorite. The, the opening act guy is not that guy. Now, that guy's job is important. You've got to warm him up. He's got to make him laugh a little bit. He's got to be at least a little bit funny or he's going to get fired. How about the person that opens for Beyonce? I call her Beyonce. The person that opens for T-Swizzle, that's, that's Taylor Swift. How about them? They have to be a good singer. They can't just be a nobody. They have to be a good singer because they have to, Now, it's known they are not Queen Bee. They're just not. But they are the opening act. Look, John has probably the most important job next to anybody not named Jesus, which is open up the way for Jesus. And he's going to teach us spiritually, practically, physically, how do you open up for Jesus? How, how do you allow him in to be king of kings over the Lord of your life? How, how do you do that? You guys know we like to ask soul questions here. We're going to ask about two or three today. Here, here's a soul question I want you to answer. Does Jesus have an easy path to, to your heart? I'm not talking about, does, like, do you go to church and do you listen once in a while? No, 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 no. Come on. Come on. Open up, church. D- does your heart open up to Jesus? Do you have a bunch of things blocking him from really leading your life? Like, is it complicated for him? Are you a city road or a country road? Which one? Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but there are actual roads out there where you can go 75 miles per hour. In America, here, no, no, no cops, no twists, turns, mountains, just flat 75 miles per hour. I'm not even playing with you. I see some of you guys are 
Like, where is he going to say? Because I'm moving there tomorrow. Like, this is crazy that there are roads like this. I used to work at the district office on the other side of the state. When I was in Michigan, I used to live uh, near the water. And then on the other side of the state was the district office in Ann Arbor. And so two, three times a week or a month, I would head over two and a half hours, 150 miles. It would take me 140 minutes. The minutes were less than the miles. And I got no kids in the car with me, right? I got the seat warmers on. I'm playing whatever I want to play. And it is healing. There are roads out there that are so clear and so flat that it is healing to your soul to drive. Now, when you drive here, it'll put you in a psych ward. Come on. If you're driving, you know, if you live downtown and you just kind of Uber everywhere, Uber people annoy you, but, but that, for the most part, you don't know what it really is to drive around the city. What it really is to drive around the city is it, it could put you in a psych ward. Like, I know people who are just kind of a, a resting yoga personality. Like, you're around them. You're like, what's up, man? They're like, how are you? So they're very calm about everything. How you doing? I'm amazing. Can I pray for you? That's who they are regularly. And then you see them in the car. They're getting out. They're, they're laying on their horn. They're trying to fight people. They're using their hand for gestures that you don't want to say in church. Like, this is what's going on. And you're like, what happened to you? It's the driving. It's the city road. It's the city roads in general. It's Tonnelly. It's one in nine. It's, 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 it's the tickets. It's the potholes. It's, it's the beeping. It's the anxiety. It's the popo. It's all of it just combined to the point where you, where you just, you have a hard time. You, you look on your GPS, and it's, I told you this before, like it's one, it's one mile, 47 minutes, and, and, and a gray hair just, bing, just pops out of your head right there on the spot. Like there's a big difference between city roads and country roads. It's a big difference. And the sole question today is like, which one are you? Because you have free will. You have invitation. The love of God will chase you to the very ends of the earth. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. There is a persevering love chasing after your heart. But you got to meet with Jesus in your free will, in your insecurities, um, in, in the pride walls that you put up, in your idols. Not, not your, your sin can't separate you from Jesus, but the way you respond to sin, if you never repent, if you never confess, if you never access the power of God. Like, you can make this really difficult for Jesus. You can. And you just met those people where their trajectory and their growth, it goes so quick. It's like, how do they grow in Jesus so quick? And then you meet other people, and it's like they're 10 years in, and they're sort of the same person. Yeah, they know of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Jesus isn't transforming their life. There's such a big eternal gap in between knowing Jesus, knowing of Jesus and like knowing the God of the universe personally and him transforming your life consistently. We call it sanctification, the process of being more like Jesus every single day. You just met people. Their trajectory and their speed is amazing because they're a country road. They're always open. They're always a wilderness. They're always saying, Jesus, you come, you take me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. These are those people and you admire them and you want to be them. And John's going to tell us how to be them today. He's going to tell us, how, how do we get there? How do we become that country road? Like, did, did you know that there are cars out there that are making, like, 
heated steering wheels? Like, give Jesus that heated steering wheel car. (laughs) Put him on a country road and say, I am a blank slate. You take me. You take me. How do we do that? Let's pray, and we'll get into a message entitled Country Roads and City Roads. Country Roads and City Roads. Hmm. I got a confession before I pray, too. Like, uh, I've never been so far behind on a message than I was this week because I just kept erasing stuff. Because this scripture is so powerful. I just kept screwing it up. I just kept writing dumb illustrations. And I'm like, why am I trying to do a bird box illustration right now? This gospel is so powerful. This is the gospel. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we open up. We don't want to just be relevant or new or... If you have an ancient idea for us that's going to change our lives right now from your gospel... Would you do it? Would you, would you walk in here in this room with your presence, with your Holy Spirit, and just tear up what we brought in here? We came with this agenda, with this piece of paper stuff written all over it. Would you just tear it up? Only you could do that, Holy Spirit, individually for each person in this room. Would you do that? Goodness, we give you access. We give you access. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Hey, let's go back. Let's go back and see how, how John leads us toward this country road. We're going we're gonna to start off with kind of a synonym. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. It's important. That's why I had you say it in the first place. And proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why is he in the wilderness? He doesn't go to the center of town. He doesn't go to, you know, the temple. He doesn't go to the main place where everybody meets, the third place, the hot spot. He doesn't go to any of that. He goes straight to the wilderness. The wilderness is going to be very significant for God's people, and if you'll let it, it'll be very significant for you. It'll be very significant for you. Let me tell you about the wilderness for these people. The wilderness for God's people is where they found freedom from slavery. So back in the day, we talked about this before, the Egyptians have them under their thumb, right? They're in slavery to the Egyptians. Part of it is that they are disobedient, that they're worshiping other gods. Nonetheless, they got themselves in slavery. They're in slavery. And then God comes in, and he's going to rescue them, and he's going to bring them where? The wilderness. And in the wilderness, for 40 years, they're going to learn how to be free. They're going to learn how to be in relationship with God, how to not have idols. They're going to learn how God rebukes their sin, takes care of their sin. They're going to learn how God gives them new opportunities and new beginnings. In the wilderness is where they learn how God provides, how God is miraculous, how much God loves them. This all happens in the wilderness. Then God speaks to the majority of the major prophets, minor prophets, in in the wilderness. We're talking about Moses. We're talking about Elijah. He's talking to them in the wilderness because they have space for him. It's a place of safety. It's a place of regrouping. This is what the wilderness is. It's a place where they go through the full cycle, sin, repentance, renewal. And they get through the whole cycle, all, and it all happens in the wilderness. Did you know that they had, they had jurisdiction just like they had today? Where they, In the city, they could persecute Christians. They were actually just Jews back then. They could, they could persecute the Israelites back then how they wanted inside the city. They could make up their own laws. But when they got into the wilderness, those, kind of juris, those jurisdiction moments, they, they couldn't go past a certain point. And so the Israelites felt safe. They could find refuge. This is what the wilderness is to God's people. John isn't playing games here. John isn't just trying to fulfill prophecy here. John is very intentional about what he's doing. Let me give you more on John the Baptist. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the River Jordan. That's important. Confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild wild honey. This is not like a fad diet. Dude is not trying to to open up his closet to be one of those those hipster pastors. Like I I seen one dude the other day. He was his his Instagram was like a fashion pastor. I'm like, what even is that? What's going on? Like this is not, I don't know where Christianity's going. Anyways, th- this is not what John is going for. This is not what he's doing. He's very intentional about where he's baptizing people, where he's speaking to people. Let me show you somebody else who, who, who wears clothes like this. He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And he said, uh, and he said it's, it's Elijah the Tishbite. Elijah's very, a very important prophet to these people. Some of them thought that Elijah would resurrect, would come back. Some of them think this is Elijah. John is very intentional about what he's doing. Did you know that the banks of the Jordan River is where Elijah prays for a double portion of God's spirit over his mentee, his protege, Elisha? Come on, John ain't playing games. John is very intentional about his geography, about what he's wearing, about what he's representing, and what he's saying is the wilderness is important. The wilderness is where you find your full cycle of relationship. It's not in the busyness of the city. It's, not, it's in the wilderness where you can open up your heart to God. It's not just a place. It's a spiritual condition. Do you know that? The wilderness is not just a place. It's a spiritual condition. Where there'll be times in your life, there'll be checkpoints in your life where you got to go, man, I just got to get to the wilderness. I just got to start over. I just got to get quiet. I got to clear my soul. I got to clear my heart. I need God to invade me again. And I'm just, I got too much going on. The wilderness is a, is a spiritual condition. It's a blank slate. All of this, country road, wilderness, however you want to say it. It's, it's figuring out how to, we talked about this last week, figuring out how to create a blank slate in your soul for God to write whatever he wants on it. And the problem is, if you're like me, I'm just going to confess today. If you're like me, this is your soul. This is your heart condition. It is not blank. It's not blank at all. It's actually very complicated. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start from the beginning here. Let's start with this, this word. This is a very important word to us here. It's busy. If you can't read it, I realize my writing stinks and my drawing stinks. Don't make fun of me. All right? This word busy is very important to us. Because we, I mean, we get, what, 10 minutes? And that 10 minutes, we usually whip out our phone. Huh. I mean, this is crazy here, folks. We got, we got these crazy lives. We're all over. We're on the path. We're getting home. We got families. Even if we're, if we're single, we are, we are super busy. We're plowing in our job. And it's amazing. You guys have powerful, powerful positions. You're getting, like, like Esther up in this thing, man. I mean, you're getting to places in this, in this world where God is taking you, but this is a problem. And you have no minutes of just quiet and wilderness of the soul where you say, God, fill me, you do it. It usually takes me 20 minutes just to detox from this. Just to detox from this. Every Sunday morning, I get that, I get that the thing that was blip, blip, blip on my phone and it tells me how much I've been on the phone this week and I go into a mode of depression because this is the condition of my soul the condition of my eyes, the condition of my ears, and the spiritual condition of the wilderness is it's very clear. 
It's very easy to hear and see, see for miles because it's wilderness, it's flat, it's open, and this is where God wants you. He wants you in the wilderness, giving him space. But this is typically a defining word on the blanket of our soul. Let's pick another one. How about, how about this one? How about money? And I, I attached money to anxiety because I've yet to get to a place in my life and I've yet to see a lot of people in my life that don't connect those two things, especially here. We're like, what, what's that apartment cost, right? And it just brings up this anxiety. When Jesus says in Matthew, yeah, don't be anxious about these things. I take care of the birds. Of course, I'm going to take care of you. Of course, I got this. But this is blockage in our soul, man. This is blockage. This is busyness in our mind, busyness in our hearts. Anxiety is tearing us apart. How about the past? If you don't learn how to grieve stuff from the past, it's just sitting in there, it's festering, it's growing roots, it's growing an identity inside of you, and this is what your soul looks like because you're not grieving stuff from the past, you're not forgiving yourself, you're not forgiving other people. That brings up another one. How about other people burdens? I'm not saying other people's burdens where you're like sharing burdens with a brother. That's it's all good. I'm not saying anything like, but, but what I'm talking about is you take everybody's opinion into your soul. It comes into the place where you take it in. It starts to define you. It starts to define your identity. And then on top of that, you haven't forgiven people. They haven't forgiven you. You haven't repented to other people. And you think you're holding them hostage, but really the whole time that's holding you hostage. That's really dirtying up your soul. How about another one? How about pride walls? Man, I got so many of these where I'm like, God, you can go here, but you can't go here. I got this. Anybody? Come on, give me a head shake if that's you. There's this pride wall saying, Jesus, you can go to these boundaries, but you can't go to these boundaries. This is city street stuff, folks. This is Tonnelly. This is one in nine. This is JFK Boulevard. You're wondering why you is so big in the middle? Why do you think you is so big in the middle? Because you and I are the center of gravity. Jesus isn't the center of gravity in our life. You and I are. This is why we are, this is why we're the most offended generation of all time. Because we take ourselves so seriously and we take Jesus so lightly. We are the center of everything. And if anybody steps on the center, we, we just get offended. I'm with you. I'm with you. How about sin? Again. James says sin grows up. Sin grows up, becomes a mature, grown man, grown woman in your life. If you don't repent, if you don't confess, it grows roots, it grows seeds, it grows branches. That's what sin does. And this becomes the condition of our soul. And man, is that busy? <laughs> you with me? Is that, is that busy? Is this wilderness? Does God have blank slate? For me, I, I know that I need to get to a place where I, I beg God to erase some of this somehow. Let me, let me tell you what, what John says is kind of the, the way to get out of this. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. I'm just going to read this again. And proclaiming a baptism of repentance, important, for the forgiveness, important, of sins, and all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. 
Um, there's, there's my eraser. I, I, uh, I've told you this before, but I want to I tell you a quick story because I, I, think that, like, I think that we think there's going to be a book that's going to heal all this, clear all this up. Let's just give me a book. Give me something new. Don't give me something ancient like repentance and confession and forgiveness. I've tried some of that stuff. Give me something new. So some of you guys know, if, if you've been here for a while, that I, like, like a lot of humans, struggle with the, uh, with the sin of lust, right? And 10 years ago, it had real control over my life and real control over my marriage. Um, and, and I did things like, you know, you do 21 days, it'll build a habit or something like that. What's that number, 21 days? You do something for 21 days. Yeah, okay, I tried that. I tried books. I tried people. I tried mentors. All these things are good. All these structure, structures are good. I'm, I'm not saying anything against these structures. But these are the things that I've tried. And they didn't work. Didn't work. Like some of you guys know today, I have so much freedom in this area and I have for, for like the last nine years. There's so much freedom in my life. This thing is at bay for sure. I gotta have, I gotta repent for sure. I gotta, I gotta make sure I have accountability partners. I gotta set up the structures of my life to make sure I'm not diving in or I, or I let a seed be planted. Absolutely, but this thing is at bay in my life and I experience freedom over this every single day. How did I get there? It was not a book. It was not a trick. It was not something new. My heart broke in half because it was ruining my marriage and the condition of my soul. And I cried and I repented on my knees. And then I repented to my friends. And then I repented to my wife. And I repented to my church. And God ripped this sin out of my life through the Holy Spirit. That's how. Nothing else. No tricks. Jesus told us, here's the gospel. You want to use it? You'll be free. You don't want to use it, you won't be free. You want to use it, you wouldn't believe how much erasing just the idea of repentance does. Just think about this for a minute. You repent, God says he's faithful to forgive, God says he's faithful to free you. You start doing this, and then you start liking that. I started liking it. I started liking seeing my wife in the light that she was meant to be seen in. I started liking not not having this thing over my life. And so guess, guess what God's kindness led me toward? Anybody? More repentance. So I'm like, man, I, I'm repentant about small things. People are, people are feeling weird because I'm out here just repenting of stuff. I'm, I'm on the stage like I've never seen a pastor do this before. I'm, I'm getting up there. All right, I'm repenting of these three things today. And people are like, oh, this is weird. But I don't even care because his kindness is leading me toward a blank slate and more repentance. And I'm receiving his forgiveness. And I'm like, I can't believe you forgive me for all of these things. Anybody else feel like this? But I did this for three. I did this three thousand times and over again. But, but you're going to forgive all of those, and so man, man, this this freedom is just coming into my life. And then I'm forgiving people too. I, I I wish this quote was mine that I saw the other day. It's not how much forgiveness does the other person deserve. It's how much freedom do you want. So good. And man, I'm getting freedom. I'm. I'm I'm, I'm letting people go. And guess what? I'm just going back to that well time and time again. I'm going back to that baptism time and time again. Do you, you, know what, you know what baptism looked like? So baptism back in the day, they, they actually have found 150 different, uh, different baptismals in ancient Judea. 
and they were in people's backyards. They just built these little, these little baptisms. They had, they had to be a certain height and a certain width so that people on their own, without any help, could walk in, just bend their knees, and be baptized. And actually, John, most scholars believe that John was not baptizing people. He's just standing there in front of God. He's, he's hearing their sins. He's hearing them repent. And he's watching God change their life. And they walked in, and they baptized themselves. That's, that's, that's what most scholars believe. I'm thinking, why, why do these people have this in their backyard? I'm, it's probably because they just wanted to go back. Let me go back to that blankness. Let me go back to that blank slate. Let me go back to that wilderness. I'm not saying that's what repentance is. Repentance now is, is yet you're inviting Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus into your life, and it's the outward expression of what's going on inward. But man, do, do, for me, I, I want to go back to that well of, I need brand new life, I need repentance, I need forgiveness over and over and over again. And once you get that, once you get to that place, you can really ask God to fill you. You can really ask God, what, what do you want to do now? What do, you, what do you want to fill me with? And all of a sudden, sin doesn't have power. You know, sin is the best buddy of shame. And shame is powerful. We have entire cultures that use shame as weapons, right? Because it's powerful. What Jesus' death does is he strips that sin of its shame, and then what his resurrection does is he gives you new life to conquer that sin forever. It's legit. 12-step programs, legit, absolutely. But you know what's really legit? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll change your life. It'll change it. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that we have a semblance of a clean sheet, Jesus will always give us a wilderness space. He'll always give us a clean sheet. Let me, let me show you what God wants to write on that, on that blank slate. After me comes one and comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water. Watch this, church. But he will baptize you. He'll immerse you with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't let your upbringing ruin this. Don't let your church from back in the day ruin this. Most churches I've been to, and church is messy, okay? Church has messy leaders, messy people, leads to messiness. Most churches I've been to lean on one side of the spectrum. Either the Holy Spirit is maybe above the rest of the Trinity, so we just, we're just asking for just his gifts, even though the Holy Spirit's main job is to point out who Jesus is, to illuminate the scriptures. My wife used the word illuminate in a, in a missional community yesterday. Such a good word. He's an illuminator. He illuminates the scriptures. He illuminates the Father. He illuminates the Son. Yes, he gives us spiritual gifts. Yes, yes he operates in us. Yes, he fills us. But, but, but churches start to just want that portion of him, right? What can you give me? What gifting can I show off? I've either seen that over here, or I've been over here, where the, where the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And the Holy Spirit is the weird uncle that we shove in the closet and we never let him out. These are the spectrums that I see. Never do I see a people say, give me this blank slate and God, would you fill me? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Whatever you want to do, you want to give me gifts? 
You want to give me ways to operate in those giftings? Uh, you want to bring me alive? You want to speak to me? You want to be my roommate? You want to you make me bold? Like that's a lot of what the Holy Spirit did in the, Old, in the New Testament is he filled them and they became really bold right in front of people who could kill them. They're just bold. They're just talking about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit did when he filled them. He's given them tongues. He's given them different languages. The Holy Spirit's doing all of this. And, and, and not, none of this will fit into one box. None of this, like this churches that say, you only have the evidence of the Holy Spirit if you can speak in tongues. Come on, the Holy Spirit's way too big for that. Holy Spirit's way too big to fit in one gifting box. Come on. I've seen him heal people from cancer. You're not going to fit in this one tongue box. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and do something inside of you. And the best way to get there is to repent, believe on Jesus, confess, go to the wilderness, and allow him to fill you. Allow him to fill you. Worship team, come up here. Uh, I was not going to do this, but you guys know sometimes I like to get a little spontaneous and it creeps everybody out. Um, So I'm going to do it anyway. Um, at some point during worship, um, if you want to come up here, uh, Pedro and, and Sammy, will you, will you come help bring this down? I picked really diesel dudes just now to, to come bring this down. And Cody's going to help too. Cody, you're diesel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's not, that, it's not that prevalent for you, my friend, but it, you're like me, okay? I'm a little skinnier. All right. Um, can we just bring this down here? And I'm going to give you the option... To some point during worship, we got one marker. Again, this is spontaneous, so that's why the details are not there. Uh, we got one marker. If you want to write your name on that, you can. And what you're doing when you say this, oh goodness, I'm making you guys do this in front of everybody too. See, this is why, this is why I'm a church planner. This is why I'm not one of these mega church pastors who has all the details all, all set. Yeah, this is my bad. This is my bad. Everybody pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for them. Let's just let them get down before we continue to talk. My bad, fellas. Much love. And it can be there, too. It can be there. At some point during the day, (laughs) thank you for that. (laughs) Maybe we'll hire an administrative assistant at some point. Just cancel out all my weakness. Um, At some point during the day, if you want to take this marker and write your name, what, what you will be saying to God is... I want that blank slate and I want you to fill me Holy Spirit. That's scary. That's a scary prayer because Holy Spirit might come inside of you and and make you into a pretty bold person. Holy Spirit might come inside you and make you pretty risky. It it might might do some risky things inside of you. But I I just give you the marker. That's, That's a proclamation in front of everybody. This is what I want to do. You don't have to be, you can wait till after the service too, but it's pretty powerful during worship to come up and do something active and say, Jesus, I'm yours. Okay? Let's pray. God, would you move in this room right now? Would you break people out of their shell? Would you make us aware of sin? Would you convict us? Would you give us the strength to repent, to confess, to turn toward you? That's what repentance is, just turning away from sin and turning toward Jesus. Would you give us the ability to take risks? Would you fill us, Holy Spirit? Would you help us not be afraid of you, Holy Spirit? 
Would you help us not just like your hand, Holy Spirit, but like all of you, not just what you hand out, but all of you. We love you. And we pray for you to be in this room today. We yield our heart to you. In Jesus' name.